Hello, and welcome to Check It Out with EVPL. I'm your host, Aaron. Uh, my name is Chase Brazier from Red Bank. Yeah, so we got Chase over there, and what about you? Who are you? My name is Ryan, and I sometimes just walk in and sit down, and you guys have to listen to me. Yeah, but I think for today, you'll be the one listening. Oh, yes. Because we have a very important topic to discuss, but first, a very important question to lead into the topic. Chase, did you know wrestling is fake? It's still real to me. <laughs> Is yeah, very famous callback to some YouTube video that made the rounds a long time ago. Anyways, yes, we are talking about professional wrestling today. Ryan, what's your experience with it? I got called Ric Flair a lot as a kid. If you've ever seen me, I had like snow white hair as a child. Oh, okay. Uh, so they made me go woo a lot, and I didn't really get the reference, but that's about it. I'm glad that's the only reason why they called you Ric Flair. <laughs> <laughs> okay. So you did, did you wear robes a lot? No, no, uh, no. Not that they knew. All right. Now, Chase, what's your experience with wrestling? I became a fan when I was um, kind of the preteen years as a kid. I had an older sister that had an ex-boyfriend that watched it, and I was like, oh, he's cool, so maybe I should watch it. But I always thought that due to how it was always portrayed in movies and TV that it was very um, dumb. But then I actually watched it. I got really into it. And I just realized it's just a giant soap opera, but with fighting. So I got really into it. And then I fell out of it. And then I got really into it again. And I'm now like in a purgatory of, yeah, it's really cool, but I don't make time to watch it. So that is my experience with wrestling. There's so much wrestling, though. Like there is between like just prime time. How many hours are we up to? Like. 10 hours a week i don't even know i think that you pretty much have to clock in for like a work day when you watch like a monday night raw that's four hours long yeah because you've got raw that's three hours on monday tuesday nights you have two hours of next t wednesday nights you have two hours of AEW. friday nights you have two hours of smackdown and that's weekly that doesn't even include like the pay-per-views or what WWE calls the premier events. I don't know. Yeah, the main TV ones. And then you have AEW becoming um, even bigger with their every so often pay-per-views as well, which are another three to four hour investment. And then you get the WrestleMania weekend, and that's what, five? It's a five-night weekend or something like that now. Yeah. <laughs> or it feels like it, and it's like three to four hours for three nights in a row or something like that. And it's just... It's kind of like when you walk into the library and you're like, I want a book. Oh, there's a lot to choose from. Yeah, you come in, you're just like, hey, I want a book on philosophy. And it's just like, oh, well, which of the 200 plus books do you want to start with? It's hard to be, if you really want to be a wrestling fan, it's hard to really do it casually because there's so much to keep up with. Yeah, definitely. So what about your experience with wrestling? Like how long have you been a fan or watched it or stopped watching it? So I got back. Well, I originally got into it when I was a kid. Uh, I started watching over at a neighbor's house uh, because my parents weren't really too big on that stuff and uh, really got into it. Eventually, when my parents saw that it wasn't turning their sweet, sensitive boy into an aggro rage head, uh, they allowed me to start watching at home. So I watched through what is known as the Attitude Era. So, yeah. Like Attitude, the, that's, the, a, that's a good uh, <laughs> adverb, adjective. One of those? I work at a library. It's yeah. Yeah, that was like what people claimed to be like when WWE was like as peak in popularity. Um, lots of really PG-13 stuff, blood, like really more extreme matches. So and, I watched that. What? And PG-13 being very tame description of some of the stuff that they allowed even there <sighs> back then. It would it would lean into like soft or R sometimes, I guess. Definitely. It's, yeah, without getting into uh, specifics. So, of course, like as a 13-year-old boy, that was awesome. And um, after I started high school, I got out of it, just got really busy. Um, I was just too busy being awesome in band. So then I actually got back into it around 2015 in the most unlikeliest way. My wife started watching Total Divas. And I just started watching it with her. And then I'm like, hey, I remember I used to like wrestling. So then I started watching the main wrestling shows. And that's how I got back into it. 
So ever since then, I've just been like really all about checking into what's going on with WWE, AEW, New Japan, Pro Wrestling, Ring of Honor, um, NWA, MLW. Don't worry about it. Don't worry about it. That's a lot of stuff. Don't worry about it. I bet those letters stand for something. Some of them do. Some of those I just made up. Yeah. (laughs) You could easily do that. Now that I think back, I feel like my first real entry into wrestling was there's an old 80s movie starring Hulk Hogan, and he was a, like, super spy-type character, and it was called, like, The Nanny or something like that, or Super Nanny, or what was that called? No, it was, like, The Nanny, I think, because I remember the VHS cover having him, like, dressed in, like, a tutu or something. Yes. Yeah. Because he eventually learns to, you know, I don't have to be the the super buff macho guy to save the day. I can save the day by being this little girl's role model. Yeah. Starring Hulk Hogan. Does he also kill a bunch of people in it? Probably. It was the 80s, you know. Yeah, you had to. (laughs) Vin Diesel would thank him later in The Pacifier. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) Thanks for reminding that movie existed. You're welcome, guys. Mm. I'm here to help make life better. So... In terms of, I guess, things that every stereotypical wrestling fan talks about is probably the first big one being their favorite wrestlers. So who would you consider some of your favorite wrestlers? Uh, I'm going to go ahead and just start editing this list in my head because I I have wrote down way too many. But I'm going to stick with just a couple when I was really into wrestling as a kid. My favorites were... Bret Hart, Owen Hart, A. Guerrero, Rey Mysterio, and Chris Jericho. Some solid, solid choices, especially with um, the Hart Foundation, with a solid chunk of that, as well as the entire like lucha style wrestling that you also get with uh, Mysterio, Guerrero, and even Jericho. Because I know he did. A, he was almost like a mixture of like the Bret Hart and guerrero lucha style almost at least in my eyes um oh no i definitely agree with that yeah uh for me i also have like a growing up favorites list and then a list of who i like currently growing up of course i love stone cold steve austin it's not because i'm a bald guy with facial hair it was definitely like the you know stick it to the man mentality and also i think he has one of the coolest finishers of all time also loved rob van damme especially because I felt like he just stole his name from John claude Van Damme, and he just thought that <laughs> sounded cool. And he's like, I go by Rob, that's three letters. Van and Dam is three letters, too. I got something here. And then also love the Hardy Boys and Dudley Boys and how in very 90s style, Boys is spelled B-O-Y-Z, not with an S. So it's superior, oh, obviously. Definitely. And then, of course, who, the rules. who doesn't love The Rock, who oh, yeah. is now... Which I never thought he would become almost more well known as Dwayne as Dwayne Johnson, but I feel like he's kind of hit that now, where he is known as Dwayne Johnson to a lot of people. But he's always the Rock. And then, because I love the Hardy Boys, I loved Lita, who was like their manager, who'd also like jump into the fray and stuff. Um, but yeah, those were some of my favorites. And then also loved Eddie Guerrero. I, I feel like we're gonna have a lot of things where we like agree. It's like, oh yeah, love that oh, yeah. wrestler that match or whatever well yeah and the con like the the hardy boys and the Liga as their manager that was like definitely like a really great time in like the tag team division hey ryan quick check have any questions so far any uh to explain <laughs> so his name is Dwayne the rock johnson not Dwayne the frog johnson that is correct okay yes. i was lied to by someone close to me and now i'm mad okay <laughs> <laughs> but also on random news, uh, did you hear about? Uh, he he owns the XFL now. Yes, he does. Uh, yes, he is his and his ex-wife. Yeah, yeah, and they're rebooting Uh-oh. it for twenty twenty three. I think. I think it's supposed to be coming up. Yeah. And you think you peel it back a couple layers, and it's crazy. You think about the fact that he bought it from Vince McMahon, who was his former employer. In the WWE, I mean, kind of like really, that's a pretty good success story, I think. Yeah, that would definitely be like being a fry cook at McDonald's and then going to Ron McDonald and saying, "This is mine now." <laughs> <laughs> mine. 
<laughs> and then you give him a stunner. But also, I've heard of John Cena, and he's in movies too. So yeah. that's cool. Yeah, I think it's funny how pretty sure it was Hulk Hogan who kind of first made like the Hollywood kind of jump, like him and like Roddy Piper, who he's in one of the best. Oh my gosh, they live. Yes. Yeah. Yes. I yes. And it's just amazing that like mainly because a lot of times you think oh a wrestler is about to go to Hollywood it's just going to be a cliche action kind of thing which is definitely how The Rock's career I felt like started but then he started doing like a couple of different roles that kind of let him do a little bit more and now he's become easily the biggest star in Hollywood probably but now John Cena has definitely followed that mm-hmm. path for sure and he's gone from the Superman character of basically WWE into now he's like playing Peacemaker which is probably the antithesis of Superman. <laughs> well, and he also was um, like the Rocky was like starting a lot of like bland action movies. The Marine, the Marine, yes, take that twelve back. rounds. <laughs> <laughs> I will not, sir. And uh, but then he started to kind of like um, you know pull back a little bit. He started doing like supportive roles in comedies and kind of showing people that he had like. He had like a lot of uh, a wide range to him, and I think that's what ultimately led him to getting like his biggest role, Peacemaker. Yeah, and Ryan, would you believe me if I told you that John Cena is one of the most polarizing figures in professional wrestling of all time? What? So essentially, during a lot of his matches, you would hear maybe twenty-five to forty percent of the crowd chanting, "Let's go, Cena!" Cena sucks, but hey let's go cena cena sucks granted the majority of the let's go cena chanting crowd were usually under the age of 16 years old for the most part and then everybody else or were all the fans from like the attitude era and stuff because john cena kind of got some hate for always winning never being able to lose and he's the best duh that's what they (laughs) that's what they want you to think that's yeah and I was definitely part of the Cena sucks crowd. I was kind of tired of seeing the same match over and over again. But as I got older and I learned more about what he does, especially with like the Make a Wish Foundation, he holds like the record for the most wishes granted, and he's still going. Like it's like amazing a lot of the charity work that he does, and that definitely kind of won me over to really appreciating him. And it's kind of like, man, I feel bad for kind of chanting <laughs> that he was not good at what he does. Well, and I, I missed that part, but going back and, like, reading up and watching videos, it does seem like, and we can kind of get into this part, aspect of wrestling, it seemed for a long time people were wanting him to turn heel. And, I mean, that that's pretty, like, that's a pretty common uh, phrase in pop culture. Like, have you ever heard that? Become a bad guy. Yeah. Yeah. Like, through, like, some, like, you, you hit your partner or something in the back when they're not looking and... Um, or you do, or you cheat in a match when you've been like a noble person up to that point. And so, uh, people typically want someone to turn heel when they feel like they're a pretty bland or, mm-hmm. uh, blase character at that point. And so that's why a lot of people, I think we're really hanging on John Cena because they wanted to see something different and they knew turning him heel would produce something different. Before we get too far away from it, whenever we're talking about the movie careers, I just wanted to know if you guys have the inside scoop as to why Dwayne The Rock Johnson Correct. enjoys filming movies with jungles in them. I do because love I, that motif of his. <laughs> I mean, kind of, because it made more sense when I thought he was a frog. Because the rundown is kind of in the jungle, mm-hmm. which is one of his first movies with um, uh, Sean William Scott. Stifler, right? Yeah, Sean okay. Williams. Yeah, <laughs> sorry, his birth name Stifler. Yes. So there's a jungle in the rundown. Both there's Jumanjis. Both Jumanjis. He was in the second Journey movie. Oh right, yeah. yeah. Is that Journey to the Center of the Earth? Or? Yeah. Okay, he was. But for in kids. That. Oh, okay. Jungle Cruise. Jungle Cruise. What? Even has jungle. I never, in it. never knew this motif before. You never noticed it. You no. never noticed that he's always in a jungle. No, you, I, I never thought of like, it. Even though, like, The Rundown is, like, seriously one of my favorite movies. I feel like there's probably even a jungle in one of the Scorpion King movies. Uh, which makes zero sense. Yes, there is. There is. Yeah. <laughs> he's not in the jungle at any point, though. But he's, then again, he's only in that movie for, like, 20 seconds. His poorly CGI'd face. Right. But there's also the full-blown Scorpion King movie. 
Oh no, I'm thinking of I'm thinking of uh, Brandon Fraser. Thinking of the Mummy I'm thinking Returns. of the Mummy Returns, Scorpion King. I think there's a jungle at one point. So I mean, I think from what we've learned from this is that we could probably make our own movie set in a jungle and get him to get on board. He would do it, right? I mean, yeah. I mean, he's been doing juggle movies in all like uh, points of his career. Like, it's not like Sweet. he's like, oh, I don't need to do another juggle movie anymore. I pay my dues. We can like, do the fifth Jungle Book. How many remakes of that have there been? Let's just do it again. Mm. Put the rock in it. I do. Uh, I remember. Would he be Baloo? Yes. <laughs> you. You. He's sung before. Well, I was gonna say um, oh, that Moana. SNS. That's a jungle oh, too. Yeah. 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 That's associated. Well, oh, um, he was the movie Be Cool. He wasn't in Jungle, but at the end he was doing like a, a part of a Hawaiian dance. Oh yeah, because he is Samoan. Yeah, and like one of like the Chaka dances, I think. Are yeah. Called. I'm so glad I successfully derailed this. No, oh, you should be. <laughs> also, I just remembered that uh, SNL skit he did where he like played like an action hero version of Bambi. <laughs> What if what, I need to look that up? What if it's just that his favorite book is like in the heart of darkness, which takes place in a jungle, right? <laughs> Maybe that's what he was read as a child. He's very well read, actually. And he's just been trying to prove himself that, like, no, the jungle is a place of magic and fun, <laughs> like not not like the the darkest desires of men. <laughs> well, this has been fun. Back to the back to our main course. Yeah, wrestling. But, uh, Wrestling, yeah, I definitely know that we kind of shifted from like favorite wrestlers, but I think we should also talk about kind of like the favorite moments of such that made us stand up out of our chairs and yell, even though maybe we were in the crowd when it happened, maybe we weren't. But I know that wrestling is just full of great moments that you always kind of remember back to. And for me, watch over and over on YouTube and imagine that I was there. It's like, oh, that's so cool, and I wish I was there. I mean, I've got a lot of the, a lot of classic ones on my list, but uh, the first one I want to mention is the most recent one that took place at SummerSlam last Saturday. Didn't watch it. But do you know how? Do you know the last match? Yes. Yeah. Okay. So Tell one of the wrestlers, Brock Lesnar, drove a tractor to the ring and then lifted the ring with a tractor. Yeah. That's not something that's, that's allowed. It's not part. That's of against the rules. It was a. Uh, last man standing match so no disqualification uh, oh yeah and I would have to say a tractor is probably the most foreign object I've ever seen in a wrestling <laughs> match so far <laughs> and it's saying something right? well it became like its own character like they were using it to like he, he dumped his opponent into the ring with it at one time it, it had it was Chekhov's gun because he brought it to the <laughs> ring you're like you know they're playing something big with it and then when he lifted the ring near the end you'll see if you go back and watch like matches with like uh, say the big show and Braun Strowman and I can't remember who else they did but like if they do like if they have two big guys on the top rope and they do like a move off of it they'll have like the ring explode but besides that I've never seen anything like this like where they lift a ring in the middle of an arena with like 40,000 some people watching it's it was absurd and it's one of the things I love about uh, wrestling where they just don't lean into the absurdity of it. So you think they're going to see the ratings with that tractor and they're going to like introduce it and the next one is like its own wrestler? You've got to wrestle the tractor! I mean... Like that Rick and Morty with the car versus the person. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I'm sure there's plenty of country songs about tractors that they can use as this like yeah. theme song. What about you, Chase? What's some moments you got? Gosh, I have so many. Some of these... I remember watching live. Some of them, I did not see them live. And by live, I meant like on television because I've yet to go to an actual show. But I would definitely watch it. The thing that makes a great moment for me is the pop, which is like when the crowd just erupts. And they either erupt in cheers or it's just the loudest groan of all time. Uh, They're both great. Uh, So one of mine, there was this storyline where... WCW and ECW were the bad promotions and they were invading WWE and it was called the invasion. Riders are amazing. So they're like the ring is has like 40 wrestlers in it just beating each other up like crazy and this whole time you're like waiting for Stone Cold to show up and the crowd's chanting like Austin, Austin the whole time they keep showing him he's like all sad. He's like in a bar drinking beer and he's just like, uh, I just don't have it anymore and stuff. <laughs> 
it, it's very much like, like the old gunslinger who's like being called back <laughs> for, for one last showdown in the in the street, and then finally like great some of the greatest theme music ever. The glass shatters, the crowd erupts, and then his music hits and he runs down to the ring and he does his special move, which. Of course, in a wrestling, the special move is something you build up to the whole match, and then all of a sudden it's like, boom, and then it's like that's like the climax of the match, and then it's over. He just decides to just use a special move on like 15 different people, like in a <laughs> row. And then the commentary is going insane, they're losing it. So that's one of my favorites. And there's also, I love debuts whenever someone's maybe like in the indies or they're like in promotions that are smaller and they have kind of like a lot of hype and stuff and they're like oh they would never sign that 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 person there's no way but then they do and they show up without any like it's really hard to do now because of social media and people like Mm -hmm. oh i just saw this person he's at the arena or or like he or she's at the arena they're going to debut and whatnot so i'm trying to think of some of my favorite debuts there's one with uh, shinsuke nakamura he was huge in japan and he, he, he speaks some English, and a lot of people were thinking that, oh, because he doesn't speak English very well, they probably won't make him, like, a big star or anything. Then he came to, like, NXT, which is, like, the minor leagues, mm-hmm. but and then they put him into, like, the main show, and the crowd is, like, chanting his song, his theme song, mm-hmm. and all he does is go out to the ring and bow, and then he leaves, and the crowd is, like, losing because they just can't <laughs> believe that he's there. So I love, like, big debuts like that. They're, like some of my favorite things for sure and then i do remember watching uh, there's one wrestler uh, triple h hunter hurst hemsley if i pronounce that correctly guy, yeah. real name paul levesque clearly i know a little bit about him but he tore his quad and he was gone for almost like a year and then he returned at madison square garden his music hit and just the crowd just losing because he was the bad guy and he's always been a bad guy but people saw that kind of like man that guy really put in a lot of work for wrestling and stuff and like entertaining. And then just the amount of just adoration and love they showed him. It was like a pretty touching moment. Mm -hmm. So those are definitely some of my favorite moments. And I'd be remiss being from Paducah, Kentucky and not mentioning like seeing a guy I went to high school with ricochet making it to WWE and being like, I know that guy. Like (laughs) like we've hung out a couple times and we've, We've had we shared chicken wings before. Like he's <laughs> now he's doing flips and stuff on TV. It's insane and winning titles and then being buried yeah. sometimes. <laughs> so yeah, being buried is when like you've got like considerable talent, but you're not being booked for anything for whatever reason. Which hopefully that changes with new people in charge. Yeah, he's got to bring more of his guys. And anyways, so um, you mentioned like indie people coming into like big pops aj styles debuting oh, yes. at the what was it 2016 royal rumble i believe so yes so uh when we say indies like you know the all those acronyms i just kind of rambled off yes of the one that oh, wasn't w the ones that weren't wwe or aew like okay. indie <laughs> like oh a uh like indies are basically just kind of like uh, smaller promotions that don't really have as big of financial backing um, mm-hmm. or like stock options like WWE. And so that's where a lot of these guys get their start because they, uh, you know, they're all like pretty much like independent contractors. Mm-hmm. So um, AG Styles had been like this darling in the Indies for a long time, but uh, they never really considered him to come to WWE. So in the Royal Rumble, he was like number three, I think, and they started number playing. Three they start playing music and you can you, you know if you get a chance go to youtube and watch it you'll see people like just kind of start mumbling to each other because they don't know it's music they've never heard before and then when the words i am phenomenal pop up on the screen which is like what he called himself phenomenal aj styles like the whole crowd erupts which is crazy for someone who up to that point had never been wwe to get that type of reaction from a wwe crowd for sure and the worst part about it is when you watch if you're watching it happen the camera wasn't even looking at the crowd when they realized that it was aj styles it was on uh roman reigns who's now like essentially the current day rock of sorts in terms of like being the guy and like the champ and all that kind of stuff but the camera was just on his face and he just gives this like Burr? like like look <laughs> where he's like who is this 
but it's just a moment that a lot of people hated the directing because they're like you're not going to show the crowd have the realization that this person they've wanted to see for so long is finally here instead of just you're just looking at like some dude's face just looking confused so yeah that's definitely one of my favorite debuts for sure one other thing i wanted to mention is um not really a moment but um kind of like a run so Daniel Bryan, who was considered to be like one of the biggest baby faces for a while, he did a heel turn a couple years ago and he became the WWE champion. And his heel persona was like he was like a borderline environmental like uh, terrorist, eco-terrorist almost. Oh, <laughs> it just, yes. you, it's great when it, you think about it. it. Like they always say like the best wrestling personas is just that person's natural personality but cranked up to the nth degree <laughs> and uh he in real life he's a vegan like he's very like health conscious and environmental conscious so he cranked that up to like 12 and um you know the traditional belt is made of leather it made of leather oh so he came out with his own environmental friendly belt and first of all it's beautiful it looks like it's made out of wood like it, well, it, yeah wood yeah and he, his story was like, <laughs> this was carved out of an oak, tr- a hundred-year-old oak tree that naturally fell, like that wasn't cut down. Like the the gems were like um, coral stones from the sea, and it was like a hemp belt. And he's the bad guy. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> that was that was what people kept saying. Like, and he would come out and like he would like, you're drinking like a twenty, like a fifty-two ounce pop. That's too much sugar. Do better. And people were like, he's not wrong. <laughs> <laughs> it really made the WWE universe take a step back, look in the mirror, and go, "Am I the heel?" Oh, his his brief like. So they were at um, I forgot which arena at Royal Rumble that year, but like that that arena premiered like a uh, special Royal Rumble sponsored like burger, which was like one of those humongous like five patties, like all the like all the fried stuff, and he cut a promo on it, and it's. <laughs> He's just talking about like how garbage it is, and it's yeah, it was delightful. Mm. Yeah, Daniel Bryan is definitely hilarious because I remember he was on commentary once on a match, it just as a guest commentator, and he kept talking about how he the way he trains is he wrestles bears like real life bears in the wilderness. <laughs> And the whole time he's critiquing the wrestlers in the ring saying that wouldn't work on a bear. There's no way. And then I don't know if they picked up on what was happening, but one of the wrestlers decides to put the other one in a bear hug and he loses his mind. He's like, there it is. The bear hug. Imagine doing this to a bear. Oh, oh man. I'm missing you know, Or Brian Danielson now. Yeah. He's, he, he jumped ship to AEW. And so he gets to use his actual name. Yeah. It's just a flip of his wrestling name kind of that's such a genius way to come up with a fake name just now just reverse it yeah (laughs) (laughs) so a lot of this has been educational for me and i'm starting it i mean i've seen some things about professional wrestling you guys are really showing me how much fun and how, how big of a fans how much they can be involved but i kind of have questions about so what does it take to be a wrestler they're like are they all actors are they all stunt people is it a mixture of both i mean there's definitely a lot of a lot of wrestlers come from very very different backgrounds there are definitely some that i feel try to join for just the fame aspect of it yeah. and then they're very quickly put to the ringer of like no this is an they're probably right in how they describe it as being sports entertainment where it's entertainment yet there's a lot of athleticism involved mm-hmm. so there's a lot of wrestlers that come from actual amateur wrestling backgrounds like Brock Lesnar is probably the most famous um, where he won countless national championships for I believe it's like Minnesota mm-hmm. I think is like the powerhouse of like wrestling or something uh, like collegiate wrestling but then, like, The Rock played for the Miami Hurricanes, mm-hmm. even. And then got Kurt Angle, who's, like, an Olymp- a legitimate Olympic gold-winning wrestler. But, but then you have some people that they do, like, open tryouts and stuff. And depending upon how well you do, whether it's doing a couple things in the ring or maybe you're really good with, like, cutting a promo, which is, like, getting on the microphone and, like, calling somebody out or giving yourself praise and that kind of thing, being entertaining – so there's a lot of different ways that people get into it. Like Ricochet, he just loved wrestling, and he just started in like a backyard. 
and him and his friends would just like wrestle. Then he saw that there was a really tiny uh, promotion in um, Cairo, Illinois, and he started wrestling there. And then it was getting better and better. And then they just kind of hop around doing shows all over. Mm -hmm. Eventually, he spent more time in Japan than America for a while, it seemed like. And then eventually just getting clout and learning and and that now he's in the biggest stage essentially so there's a lot of different backgrounds that people come from i mean some are like gymnasts some are bodybuilders and mm -hmm. things but then yeah there, there's really no telling like every single wrestler they may have similar stories of how they got there but there's they're all very individual yeah and then you have like people like the miz actually i think his is the only case the miz um was on the real world was on the real world yeah that was like his first like i wouldn't say role but like his first exposure on tv mm -hmm. and then he did like all those road rules versus real world challenges gotcha. and then he kind of used that to join wwe and you get you get people like that who uh like i think one of the most recent examples is like Logan Paul, who like become famous outside of WWE, and then WWE brings them in mm -hmm. in order to add that clout. And he was, he was also a boxer up. at one point. So there's always there's always kind of some athleticism, or it's definitely needed. You're gonna you're gonna yeah. need it. So they they used to have a show called Tough Enough, where it was they would have people come in a lot of times with zero wrestling background. And it was like a reality show contest. And after like every week or something, they would cut somebody and they would train them. And a lot of times the people that won didn't have like a very long kind of like career with WWE. But what's funny is there's kind of currently a lot of, especially in WWE, there's like a lot of superstars that maybe they didn't win it, but they got really far. And then they just kind of then jumped into like the indies. Yeah. And because they got... A little bit of exposure on television or whatever and then they use their time in the indies and stuff to learn and get better and then they get re-signed or something like mm -hmm, that mm -hmm. so there's definitely just so many different routes but i feel like the most common is just starting at the bottom and working your way up kind of thing that's definitely how a lot of people get started for sure definitely and if you want to see like the biggest contrast like watch like a like a uh, good wrestling match and then go watch like the first day like footage of a first day of like wrestling school you will never be more bored in your life because like <laughs> the thing they focus on in these wrestling schools is before they help you build your character and figure out who you're gonna be like you're learning the basics you're learning how to take falls without like a herniating a disc every time yeah. uh, or how not to break your neck when you do like a backflip or a front flip and then you do that like 5,000 more times because the big thing they're trying to teach you is like to control your body even if you're falling like I remember there was a documentary they had on NXT a few years ago that was produced by WWE I can't remember what it was called but you had uh, like William Ringel was like teaching a class and he kept telling people like you know when you do this move land with your right foot out and people kept not doing that even though they would land safely and he just kept freaking out of them because he's like the point is that you are in control you're by you know to put your right foot out and you're not like just defaulting to what feels natural mm -hmm. and you're not thinking about your movement because that's how they get hurt it's not typically in the big moves where you do like a frog splash off a ladder it's like they're doing the same move they've done over and over and they don't think about it and they like twist their ankle or mm -hmm. something mm -hmm. I know it's not much of a segue at all, but I Go just remembered it. one moment that I think is very important is there was something called like the women's evolution that occurred where for a long time, women in wrestling were just kind of considered like eye candy for the most part, like the most famous, like for a long time, people, people would say like the most famous woman in wrestling is like Miss Elizabeth, who was just Macho Man Randy Savage's like valet and like manager of sorts just walk to the ring and maybe distract somebody and that was it but at the same time there were lots of women who were legitimately trying to be the exact same professional wrestler as like hulk hogan and all like the big name people like ricky the dragon steamboat and bret hart and all that and there was definitely like sexism when it came to how the general audience kind of perceived women's wrestling a lot and I know the show on Netflix Glow did a great job of kind of showing how women's wrestling was 
how it was pictured and taken in by fans, but how much work they actually went into to deliver a product that was equal to like all like the men's wrestling that everybody was used to. But even with that, in the Attitude Era and then even like the early 2000s and stuff, women's wrestling was still kind of considered like like the joke was that was always like the bathroom break during a pay-per-view. Like mm-hmm. you could go and like come back and you wouldn't miss anything. So eventually there were a lot of uh, female wrestlers who kept having really good matches and kind of creating a better product and all that kind of stuff. I think only once on Raw, like women ever like main evented and like they didn't main event like anything over like a decade or something. It was like a Trish Stratus versus like Lita. And and that That was was like a huge thing because no one expected it. And also great match and insane because Lita almost breaks her neck. It's gnarly. Um, But... (laughs) Anyway, in the indies, though, a lot of women were being, like, the bigger stars than some of the men. And that happened a lot with um, NXT, which was, like, the minor league, as I said, of, like, WWE. Well, eventually, I think it was was after WrestleMania. I can't even remember. But, essentially, the female champion was in the ring. and But then, all of a sudden, all these more indie-known wrestlers from NXT were coming to the ring and they just kind of announced that this was like an evolution where women were going to like be, you know, the top and that it were no longer divas was a big thing. They used to always be called divas. Mm. I actually remember from the 90s. Yeah, they had like the divas championship and then now it's just the women's championship. Yeah, and it's such a breath of fresh air because um, they even had a couple of their own pay-per-views that were women only. And it's been some of the coolest stuff. And it's probably a really cool thing. The women's evolution is like they had like a heel group and they were like no we're divas you know and they just had to have a target to be like all right we need to personify this like mentality and stuff and they just got the short end of the straw basically but it's really cool because four of them four of the um main kind of would be face sasha banks bailey charlotte flair and becky lynch they were all considered like the four horsewomen because back in the day there was a group called the four horsemen they're sort of like the best of the best and stuff. So just that whole shift in the perception of women's wrestling has been probably one of the best breaths of fresh air in wrestling as of late. That's been over like over the past like 10 years, 20. Yeah, I think it happened. Well, that it was that, like several 2015, 2016. Okay, I think so it really sooner. went to ramp up. Yeah, but it, it was just something that, you know, people are like, oh, that, that will never sell and stuff and blah, blah, blah. It's not as good. But they're like, yo, we're having, like, insane matches. Like, in the indies, they still do, like, intergender, like, matches where it's, like, men versus women and mm-hmm. stuff. And it's just, like, throw a dude off of a ladder and stuff. And it's just <laughs> insanity. And, yeah, it's really nuts. Yeah, and they've had some really remarkable milestones since then. Like, they've had women uh, main event WrestleMania twice, which WrestleMania is like the Super Bowl of wrestling. Thank you. Um, You're welcome. And uh, then they've actually had women wrestle in the the Middle East, which was um, when they started doing those shows in Saudi Arabia. Because they are very conservative over there, uh, women were not allowed to be on the show for a while because women aren't allowed to be participating mm-hmm. in athletics, and they were finally able to uh, start having women's wrestling matches over there now. And so it started off with just one, and now they like whenever they do a pay per view over there, they'll have like three to four women's matches. Excellent. Um, we'll go ahead and like get into our favorite matches now, which I, since you as someone from the outside. Um, I was trying to think of ones that, like, if I if someone's like ever going to be like, hey, you know, what what's going to get me into wrestling? Like the wrestling matches, I would like recommend to you to give you an idea of like, here's the the spectacle of wrestling in its purest form. So one of the ones I was looking into, this was back in like the early 2010s, I think. This was for a promotion called Ring of Honor, which is still around. And it was uh, Kevin Steen versus El Generico for the Ring of Honor Championship. It was a ladder match. Okay. And it's one of the most destructive matches I've ever seen. People really, like, both of the guys really pushing their bodies, doing, I I won't spoil spots, but, man, like, some of the things they did were just insane. And I can't imagine, like, people approving some of these spots in WWE which, you know, nowadays, like, Kevin Steen is now Kevin Owens in WWE. El Generico is now uh, Sami Zayn 
in WWE without mm-hmm. the mask, probably one of the best heels currently. So yeah, that's that's my first choice there. And there's a ladder involved, you said? Oh, well, multiple. Lots, Mo- lots of, whoa. Of various sizes. Like, <laughs> the, they, okay, now you're they, talking. They buy out lows that day. Yeah. <laughs> I see your ladders, and I raise you tables and chairs, uh. <laughs> where I would suggest... It even turned into its own pay-per-view. Like it was at first just known as a tables, ladders, and chairs match. Where guess what's legal? Tables, ladders, and chairs. <laughs> because those are foreign objects. They do not belong in a ring. But no, no, they by don't. golly, we're going to put them in this match. And eventually, that ended up becoming a pay-per-view where there are surprisingly not as many tables, ladders, and chairs in the matches, which makes not as much sense really <laughs> if you think about it. But the first two TLC matches uh, the first one especially it's uh, for me it was like the pinnacle of tag team wrestling for a while when I was like growing up he had of course the Dudley boys with a Z the Hardy boys with a Z and then Edge and Christian with a Z <laughs> <laughs> silent um, <laughs> so it was the three of them so it's already like a triple threat tag team match but they have the belts hanging above the ring and they have to climb a ladder to get up to get to the belts and take them then whoever gets the the belts they win and it's just some of the most insane spots ever where people are being thrown through tables one of the most um i don't even want to really want to announce it but there's an amazing spot with jeff hardy and edge where someone is hanging and they had belts in his grasp yes they are because he's hanging from the ceiling on the belts (laughs) and then somebody does something about it and it is Remember when I was talking about pops? One of the biggest pops ever for a move, not like an like a entrance or anything, mm-hmm. just a move because no one. It was unbelievable. Those and usually those belts are hanging how high? Like usually like twelve or fifteen feet. I mean, they are up there. They're up there, yeah. yeah. So so it's a hard fall, mm-hmm. hard long fall. Yeah, it's. I remember that was the first pay per view I watched as a mm-hmm. kid. It was just amazing. Was that seventeen? Uh, yeah, I think so. Which also has one of the best promos for the main event, which is The Rock versus Stone Cold, the two biggest stars ever, and to the background song of My Way by Limp Biscuit. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Sold. There you go. Which we as the library have some of this stuff, don't we? To check out. I know yeah, I see. We have a lot of WWE DVDs. We have some TNA wrestling DVDs. Yeah, they're all under sport, and I believe that since those are considered as like documentaries, you can get unlimited checkouts with those. Yeah, so unlike the uh, the normal ten DVD cap for mm-hmm. features, that does not apply here. Oh my! So I can get everything. Yeah, just about. Yeah. Cool. I wish I was more prepared because I'm like, man, I could like send you like a list of promos <laughs> to watch. And yeah, just... the, pro- the promos are almost as entertaining as some of the matches. I would also say. Uh, if you're more into like the extreme kind of wrestling with like chairs and stuff like that, um, that invasion storyline, they had their own pay-per-view called, can you guess it? Is, is it called invasion? That is correct. Hey! Yeah. But it's, um, not Rob, known for subtlety. It's, uh, <laughs> yeah. Rob Van Dam versus Jeff Hardy of the Hardy boys with the Z. And it's a great match because the invasion, everyone was like, Oh, we, we don't like them. They're invading the WWE. We don't like them. But everyone's like, but RVD is cool. We <laughs> like him though. Everyone, He's cool. The rest of all, you, all of the invasion people would get booed, but everyone cheered for RVD just cause he was just so cool. And then you had Jeff Hardy, who was kind of like the darling of WWE for like a long, long time because he did all the cool extreme stuff and he wore the weird like balloony pants and stuff. It's weird. You just had to see it. (laughs) Um, They're like they're like the black pants that you would get from like Hot Topic with like the chains and stuff. Uh, Oh, okay. Still rocking that style in his 40s. I remember a lot of cutoff jeans in the 90s (laughs) and early 2000s. If you want to know what the big 90s styles were, just watch like a Hardy's Boy match. Hardy's Boys with a Z. Hardy's Boys with a Z. Okay. I believe so. Not the the mystery-solving duo. Correct. Correct. Yeah, don't, yeah. I know there's a fine line between the two, so... (laughs) I think that's how they avoided the copyright issue is to put a Z at the yeah. end. Did they ever have fun with it and do a mystery-themed episode? They really missed out. <laughs> oh, no. we got to get them on the line. We, th- there was a tag team known as the Fashion Police, and they were solving crimes um, <laughs> of various natures. Um, that, that was fun. <laughs> Atrocities of fashion. <laughs> yeah. 
That was great. So we've talked about like some of the more destructive matches, but when it comes to like storytelling, I think one of my favorite matches of all time is from the NXT Toronto Takeover 2017 pay per view. It's attack. It's DIY versus the revival in a two out of three falls match. I picked this one because this is like the ultimate like underdog story of like you're watching it's the third act of a movie where you see like the hero constantly have to come over uh, obstacle after obstacle mm-hmm. ob- after obstacle which in this case the underdog is DIY and this is like the combination of like a five month storyline where they are trying to beat the revival and the revival keeps cheating or they keep like injuring someone from DIY just being like sneaky snakes mm-hmm. and finally uh, this has like the probably one of the best endings any wrestling match ever like just the way like the crowd gets into it it's awesome yeah then also from a nxt takeover event i gotta rep them because i'm wearing a shirt right now too uh, ricochet versus adam cole um, oh yeah because you had ricochet who became like one of the most well-known high flyers like every crazy flip but also could like sell a move like no one else and selling being you know making it look like a move is super super destructive and whatnot mm-hmm. and adam cole has is probably one of like the bigger names in wrestling in terms of not only is he good in the ring but he he cuts great promos and all mm-hmm. that kind of stuff and he's great at being a heel so they put on like a clinic in that match and then there's a lot of there's just so many matches as well that mm-hmm. You try to like find my YouTube, but you can probably find like highlight clips, really. Yeah. Because there's also um, Kenny Omega versus Okada, and that's there's like documentary videos on YouTube just talking about the rivalry and stuff of how because <laughs> Okada was essentially like the John Cena of like New Japan, where he's like can't be defeated, and but at the same time was just so many so much move variety and stuff. And Kenny Omega was this Canadian guy in Japan who also all all of a sudden like speaks japanese by the way and like very pretty well too like almost fluently yeah (laughs) yeah and that that was that's also a great promo too because the crowd is just not expecting it because he's speaking english all of a sudden he's like no how about i speak this way and then the crowd just is like oh yeah (laughs) so that's great and then an old match that's great is the macho man randy savage versus ricky the dragon steamboat i think it's like wrestlemania 2 did you say Ricky the, the Dragon Steamboat? The Dragon Steamboat. Yep. This is a person. Yeah. Okay. Yes. And this is wonderful. <laughs> apparently, Randy Savage was so particular about having a perfect match every single match that he would memorize the entire match throughout. Like sometimes wrestlers will kind of call it on the fly, like if something goes wrong, or even if they're just like, "Hey, we kind of know the general idea, we can kind of freestyle the rest." He would be like, "No, we're going to do every single thing on this list." And apparently, it's like one of the most court, best choreographed older matches from like the '80s. So, like, that's amazing. Bailey versus Sasha is an amazing match. That's two of the four horsewomen. Yeah, we can just go on and on. I yeah, feel like with that like was like matches. The first, that was the first, like, female, like, main event for an NXT takeover, too. Yeah, definitely. Um, but um, you're talking about Ricochet and, like, the Adam Cole match. It's something, like, I was thinking about with that match is, you know, you see referees in the uh, wrestling match, you're just like, what are they there for? This is scripted. Like, what's the point of them? And they're, part of it is they're there for the storyline to, like, call the match. But also, you can kind of think of them as, like, being the mediator between the fantasy of wrestling and the reality. So mm-hmm. they're held, yeah. there to, like, call things off or, like, check in on wrestling. Like, you'll see them whenever a wrestler takes like a, a bump you'll see the referee automatically go to them and they're all constantly asking him, hey you okay and the wrestler you're like sometimes it, the ring is mic'd up enough where you can hear him say like oh yeah i'm good even though he just like landed on his head but um i would hate to be the referee in like a ricochet match because like 90 percent of the time i'm like he's dead like he's he's not getting yeah <laughs> like there's like several spots in that adam cole and ricochet match i'm like uh, no, the referees go do the X, which is like when you see them do the X, most of the time that means like someone is legitimately hurt. Yeah. Yeah. But there's 
I've also heard that there's like two X's. There's one where they do it above their head, the one like where they go like below like their waist or whatever, and like one's fake to make the because the crowd has gotten smarter to because yeah. for a long time wrestling fans were just like like as we started, it's real to me, like this is real, and I mean there's like stories of like, and there's even videos of like fans getting so mad that they rushed the ring to try and save <laughs> their favorite wrestler. There's a really famous one of like it was like Triple H versus Stone Cold and. Stone Cold's supposed to be the good guy and stuff, and this guy like jumps into the ring and tries to like attack both of them, and then and it's like a Triple H had just been hit with a special move, like the Stone Cold Stunner, so he's he's supposed to be like out of it and stuff, but he like springs into action, just tackles this guy to the ground, and like and they're like, yeah, he could have had like a knife or something, we yeah. had no idea. So, but anyway, that's how the fans were back in the day, but now they're smart, they kind of know more mm-hmm. that it's scripted and whatnot. So because everyone kind of grew to know that, oh, the X means, oh, no, someone's really hurt. For some storylines and some match spots, they've started doing that as a basic decoy, like a fake. Mm -hmm. And then people are like, oh, my gosh, they're really actually hurt. Just to add up to, like, the moment of, like, oh, they're back. They're okay. (laughs) I can't believe it. Which I'd be interested to see what uh, qualifications and certifications you need to be a referee. Because, I mean, I'm sure they have some kind of medical background yeah. Some of the, well, not it's not necess- a lot of them are just like uh, wrestlers themselves. Okay, okay. yeah, yeah. But, like some, some may very well have been a wrestler that maybe they had a an injury where they couldn't really mm-hmm. do like a full time wrestler. Because a lot of times referees don't take many bumps, you know, yeah. but and that kind of thing they may every once in a while. But for the most part, they're unharmed. For the most part, yeah. Um, I wonder if they like they make them do something though, like some tra- some training. What, what's the referee training well, look like? That's what I'm know. interested yeah, I mean, anyway. I, th- I think like one of the things I remember, um, like they, this thing got released several years ago where it was like the, the, the backstage rules for like WWE live events. And like one of the things was like, as a referee, they're like, you have to, if someone's legitimately hurt, you have to talk them down. Cause there's this like macho mindset of like, when you're hurt, you're like, Oh, I still have to finish the match. Like I still have to like see this thing mm. through to the end, and you know you'll have guys with like broken legs or like torn pectoral, yeah. and trying and so like the like that's part of the referee's job too that they like they have to identify like no this is a legitimate injury and you're going to like make it worse if you keep going yeah. so I think there has to be some type of medical training. Mm-hmm. So like uh, Chase mentioned earlier, we have tons or was it you Ryan? I don't know. Someone did. Uh, we have tons of wrestling DVDs uh, available for you. A lot of them from WWE, some from other promotions. Also, we have tons of books, like not just about like chronicling wrestling, but also like uh, analysis pieces and uh, essays on like just uh, wrestling and the spectacle of it. So and, definitely check those out. And several, several biographies. Like that's definitely one of the coys out um, wrestlers who can no longer wrestle, which you know that's kind of like you know their financial income and stuff but then they can no longer do it. a lot of them do write books i know i've seen there's a gigantic rock dwayne the rock johnson to be more specifically um <laughs> biography it's like the size of like a desktop computer <laughs> like it's gigantic <laughs> so there's a lot of really cool biographies that we also have yeah you guys have provided some fantastic entry points too with your match descriptions and everything so thank you so much i feel ready to tackle it it's been great we're out (laughs) thank you guys very much